p.m. board bombs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Blake Briggs. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you with us, wherever you're listening, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in. That's my heartfelt welcome this week. Before I start my stretch of day shifts coming up, <laughs> Dr. Hussein will not be joining us today. He is currently out of town, and it's perfect because I don't have to worry about him interrupting me. You know, it happens all the time. I'm so shy. <laughs> For those of you that know me, you know I'm not that shy. Okay, let's go over this awesome stem today. Oh, I guess I should say the intro here. Remember, we are EM Board Bombs, the blue-collar podcast for emergency medicine. We teach you what you need to know, nothing more, nothing less, for hashtag EM Life, as well as for board education. 10 to 15-minute episodes, sometimes 20 if we're feeling talkative, and we tell you exactly what you need to know. Come for the stems, stay for the content. All right, we got a 42-year-old male presenting after burning himself at a cookout. He states he was reaching over the grill to flip a burger, and a flash burn caught his Hawaiian shirt and his arm. He is very upset about losing his Hawaiian shirt, and you proceed to say, quote, you're lucky you kept your arm instead. His spouse at bedside says, quote, sick burn, bro. The nurse then asks if the patient needs water for his burn. The patient declines, but then recants and says he actually needs water for the real burn, not his pride. He has a non-circumferential, partial thickness, thermal burn on the left upper arm. No blisters are present. The patient is ambulatory and reports that he feels well. So what is the appropriate disposition for this patient? Choice A, transfer to a burn center. Choice B, place silver sulfadiazine and gauze dressing. Choice C, perform debridement of the burn with warm water and chlorhexidine solution. Choice D, place baxitracin and a gauze dressing. Correct answer here is going to be choice D, place tracin and a gauze dressing. So probably the biggest surprise is that we're not transferring to a burn center. <laughs> For someone who works at a level one trauma center, I get a lot of burn transfers. <laughs> anyway, we understand that people are uncomfortable taking care of burns. It doesn't need to be that way, though. The vast majority of burns are minor. Unfortunately, I believe a lot of training, unfortunately, in emergency medicine doesn't train how to deal with just minor burns. You know, they come to the ED, and at most of these centers... A lot of places are spoiled. They have a burn doctor that comes down or a surgeon or whatever, whoever's calling the burn pager, and they come down or a APP does it. And if you're at a center that doesn't have that, you just transfer it. Um, let's get away from that for a lot of these cases. There are a lot of cases where burns don't need to be transferred here. And we're going to talk about just simple life hacks, as you would say, hashtag life that can help you. But before we get into that, we have to talk about our premium podcast. We just have to. Have you not heard how awesome it is? EM Rapid Bombs. Two to four minute episodes. We're over 350 episodes now, and we're offering residency discounts, which is fantastic. So if you're in a large group of residents or students or attendings, you know, let's say you're part of a group and all of you want to block a subscription off, etc., it's fantastic. Shoot us an email. We're happy to help you getting amazing EM education. Always keep in mind that EM Rapid Bombs is going to tell you stuff that you don't get at other question banks. First of all, we're the only question bank podcast ever. And thankfully it's for emergency medicine, right? Good thing it's not for like ortho or something. You'd be out of luck. (laughs) 
But the other good news about EM rapid bombs is that we give you coaching. We give you tips on what the test is going to ask you, how it's going to ask you that, why the other choices are wrong. It's awesome. So I really encourage you to check it out at emrapidbombs.supercast.com. The link is in our show notes. You can also find it on the website. All right, so this patient doesn't have any indications for transfer to a burn center. Let's just hammer that home. (laughs) Transfer to a burn center is not indicated for an adult patient with a partial thickness burn that is less than 10% body surface area, that is non-circumferential and doesn't involve the face, hands, or genitals. We're going to break that down in a second, but the vast majority of burns that present to the ED can be managed as outpatient. Minor burns are generally considered to be first degree and superficial second degree or otherwise known as superficial partial thickness burns. I know we're getting rid of the degree system. I'm not a fan of the degree system either, but unfortunately in layman's terms and just so many places around the world, people still use the degree system. The descriptive terms have tried to bridge that gap of, hey, it's not always just first or second degree or second or third degree, but they come up short as well and they're difficult to memorize. I wouldn't memorize these ever. Just know the first kind of groups here that you have superficial or first degree and then you have superficial second degree also known as superficial partial thickness and then deep partial thickness so the only two burns you have to worry about here in terms of transfer and in terms of just scary things happening bad things happening need a burn you know doctor to look at or whatever it's going to be the deep partial thickness and any deep thickness obviously so i'm laughing because how silly it is so to be considered minor the burn must meet the following criteria Isolated injury, meaning that there's nothing else. There's no high voltage injury. It's not a chemical burn. There's no inhalation, right? They're not exposed to a house fire where there's smoke inhalation that could have cyanide, poison, and carbon monoxide. That stuff's pretty obvious, right? It doesn't involve the face, hands, perineum, or feet. I'll talk about an exception to that in a second. Doesn't cross major joints. And on that same vein, it's not circumferential. Very important here. Not circumferential, and it doesn't cross major joints. Now, to the point about the hands and feet, I have to say that typically most isolated partial thickness burns of the hands or feet can be treated as outpatient and they don't require transfer especially if they're simple and isolated debridement education about proper wound care and follow-up within a week is usually sufficient if you don't have those resources i totally understand why you have to transfer sometimes but in the vast majority of cases these people don't even need follow-up some of them that have simple burns can just go home manage it see their primary care doctor who can refer them out after that the vast majority of these people do excellent even without following up all right, so let's talk about the four C's here. I didn't patent this at all. I just found it on a website somewhere. So credit to emergency medicine resources. The four C's are going to help us remember the management of minor burns. Cooling, cleaning, covering, comfort. Pretty straightforward. If you don't like mnemonics or like four random C's here, just you know remember the basics I'm about to tell you. What about cooling? So cooling's the first thing. I learned this as a child, and I feel very vindicated that my parents knew this sort of stuff. Granted, they are medical. <laughs> But it's like one of those things you learned as a kid and you grew up and you you know burned yourself, scalded yourself on a hot pan or something. And then you were told, run under cold water, run under cold water. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to help. Well, it does. Running cool tap water over the burn for a minimum of 20 minutes. I definitely didn't do it that long. So maybe that was my fault. This may limit the depth of the burn. There's some degree of truth in this. Definitely is not going to hurt. There may be a benefit of cooling up to three hours after the initial time of injury. But be sure never to apply ice. Never, ever, ever put really cold items like ice directly to the burn, as this can worsen the thermal injury. Okay, let's talk about cleaning here. A lot of people do this wrong too. 
Time for this week's episode of things that we do that are a waste of time and we shouldn't be doing them. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! For any lacerations and burns, stop using hydrogen peroxide. Please stop doing it. Stop doing it. No hydrogen peroxide, no chlorhexidine here. If they are simple burns, again, minor burns, or minor lacerations that are not, you know, they have any dirt in them or any, they're not a bite injury, obviously, they don't need hydrogen peroxide or chlorhexidine. They're actually harmful. Those chemicals that we use destroy the natural healing process of the wound. So you either use sterile water or normal saline to clean the burn. You can either use an irrigation or swabbing technique, doesn't matter. You want to debride any loose dead skin using rough debridement with dry gauze. You're not using a knife here or anything. You can peel them off with forceps. You can cut with scissors. You're not using anything sharp. You're not making deeper indentations. The proper debridement allows for more accurate staging of the burn. Now, blister management is controversial. Talk about getting people into an argument. If you talk to plastic surgeons about this or burn surgeons, I've done it before. I've asked multiple different people, hey, what's your opinion on this? And you could be basically debating raising the debt ceiling in the United States almost. It's vicious encampments on both sides of a very simple issue, it sounds like. In general, I gotta be careful here because I'm gonna get attacked. In general, you should de-roof blisters that are large, tense, or restricting movement. And that's all I'm going to say about it. So the hate mail is expected. I'll let you know how that goes next week. Probably going to have you know a bunch of firecrackers in my mailbox by the end of the week too. Covering. First degree burns are going to heal just fine within seven days. A first degree burn is sunburn. Let's just be clear about that. It's not part of the staging criteria of total body surface area, and it doesn't really matter. It can be painful for patients for sure, not dismissing that. Sunburn's painful too. But it's very simple here. They don't need a cover. They don't need anything. They don't need a dressing. Lotion, antibacterial ointment, aloe vera gel, even honey can be used to cover and soothe the burn. Just tell them not to lick the honey off of them. <laughs> Otherwise, everything is cool here. Very simple things. They can go home. For superficial second-degree burns, remember that these are these superficial partial thickness burns. There are many options here. I'm not going to go into the weeds, but just know that a paraffin dressing with you know paraffin gauze which is basically a type of wound dressing that it consists of a fine layer of gauze impregnated with soft paraffin ointment. The ointment, the paraffin ointment in the dressing helps to create a moist wound environment, which can promote healing and reduce the risk of infection. Examples of this, depending on where you live, you may have this, maybe not, Bactigress, Gelinet, Adaptic, or silver-containing dressing like Aquacel or Acticote. Your choice should take into consideration the size of the burn and follow-up requirements and where you're at. Like, where are you that this is typically available to you? Smaller burns can just need like two layers of paraffin gauze and then a second dressing over the top of that. Now, larger burns or burns with mixed depths, they need to be covered with a silver-containing dressing. Another great option here is Mepilex. If some of you know that or are familiar with it, that's a fantastic dressing because that can be left on for multiple days until burn follow-up. Now, these patients will need to be followed by some type of, you know, burn outpatient clinic. Is that plastic surgery at your shop? Is that trauma surgery or general surgery? It just depends where you're at and who does that. Now, the dressings need to be changed about once a week, although the dry secondary dressing may need to be changed more frequently due to the large amount of exudate that happens in the early period of healing, which is expected here. Now, here's the key thing. Whatever you choose to use, whatever's available to you that you like to do, that's probably not a big deal here. Just don't use silver sulfadiazine. One, it's very hard to spell. 
I use spell check multiple times on silver sulfur diazine when I'm typing it in a chart or a note or something. Don't use that. I still see places sending me patients transfer from outside hospitals that are getting silver sulfur diazine. Stop using it. It's not recommended anymore. It's been found to be inferior to most modern bird dressing. There's some implications that they might impair wound healing. Just stop using it. It's not effective anymore. It's not standard of care. Now, for those in more austere environments or smaller EDs or places where all the names I just listed, you're like, I've never heard of any of those. <laughs> I don't know what language you're speaking. I don't have any of those <laughs> at my shop. We have gauze and Vaseline. <laughs> anyway, a basic gauze dressing is totally fine. You don't have to transfer a patient just because you don't have um, whatever, it call, whatever it's called, Aquacel, whatever, Acticote or Gelinet. <laughs> Basically, what you're going to do here is you're going to place a topical antibiotic, baxitracin, which you should have at your shop, baxitracin, and then you're going to put a first layer of non-adherent gauze, like adaptic or xeroform. Then you're going to place a second layer of fluffed dry gauze, like a Curlex roll, like a gauze roll or something. That is the simplest way to manage a basic burn. What about comfort? What about pain meds? Well, first degree burns, absolutely don't prescribe opioids. Let's be realistic here. Again, sunburn. When you got sunburned as a kid, did someone give you morphine? <laughs> I don't know. Write to me if you did, because that's pretty generous of someone. But what you should be getting is acetaminophen and NSAIDs, <laughs> Motrin, all right? Simple things here. And then aloe vera gel, gels, right? Gels, topical things, acetaminophen, NSAIDs, perfect. What about these superficial partial thickness burns? Well, they usually do require an oral opioid. Cleaning and debridement may require, in the ED of course, if you're doing cleaning and debridement, sorry, you want to do IV analgesia if you're doing a good amount of it. It is very painful. These, these do hurt a lot. Now patients should be instructed to take their prescribed opioid about you know 30 minutes prior to a planned dressing change as well, and that can help them at home. Now additionally, remember about tetanus status, right? Good old tetanus. We talk about it all the time. Anyway, remember tetanus status for superficial partial thickness burns and deeper burns. Update tetanus as you can. What about antibiotics? No, they're not needed. Major societies don't recommend prophylactic antibiotics either, so don't waste your time. If you suspect an infected burn, obviously you're going to transfer that patient to a burn center. <laughs> or if you're at the burn center, you're going to consult somebody. But in general, no. No prophylactic antibiotics here. Now, what about topical steroids? Nope. I've been on a steroid crusade recently because I recently heard that some urgent carriers are giving double dose injection of steroids. I don't know where this started. Maybe it's a new thing because they can't give any more IM Rocephin or they're restricted maybe at their shop. And so they're thinking, well, if I can't do Rocephin and Decadron, maybe I can just do Decadron and Methylprednisone. So don't do that. First of all, don't do that ever in general. <laughs> no one ever needs double dose IM steroids on either hip. But also don't give steroids for these patients. No topical steroids, no IV steroids, no oral steroids. Steroids do not help with burn healing. Let's be very clear about that. They actually may increase the risk of infection and, and impair wound healing, right? We all know steroids have a drastic effect on fibrosis as well as wound healing and scarring. So no steroids here. I can't believe I'm saying this, but steroids for some reason are just still overprescribed in this country. So two things you should never do, we talked about, right? Silver, sulfadiazine, steroids, and I guess the third thing that I'm thinking about it, stop using hydrogen peroxide and chlorhexidine and iodine for washing out burns and simple lax. All right, nice approach today with minor burns. Hopefully that's helpful. Remember to check out EM Rapid Bombs. That's emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Check us out. Drop a review on Apple if you can, if you like using Apple. If you use Spotify, that's cool too. No judgment. 
We'll see you next time. Thanks again.